Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Daily Friend Wrap. I'm your host, Nicholas Larma, joined today by Mr. Chris Hutton. Let's get into the first news story of today, and this is an important one, I think, for solving South Africa's problems. And that is that a survey from a, or, or rather a research project, a two-year research project by a, a group of Harvard economists um, uh, from an from a organization called Growth Lab, have said that they have figured out the cause of South Africa's problems. And those are state collapse being driven by things like BE-focused tenders and CADA deployment, which is something that both the Center for Risk Analysis, which Chris works for, and the IRR, which I work for, have been saying for a very long time. Uh, Based on nine in-depth papers, the report drills down into reasons for South Africa's poor economic performance, which it says is exacerbating inequality and excluding many people from the economy. Uh, Of these factors, they say that collapsing state capacity is, quote, the predominant driver of South Africa's weakening economic performance, and it's at the heart of uh, intensifying macroeconomic stress. Um, They also say that reform is currently unlikely due to political gridlock, ideology, patronage, and overburdening state organizations with goals beyond their core missions and capabilities, and that the biggest cause of state collapse are two policies of the African National Congress government, Uh, preferential procurement, which is basically saying that the government must first buy uh, from uh, people, uh, companies owned by uh, people of particular races, um, and the policy of CADA deployment. They have a number of suggestions to improve state capacity. The first is the urgent liberalization of the economic market and faster unbundling of ESCOM, the relaxation of preferential procurement, including the renewable in the renewable energy space, phasing out of CADA deployment, the use of the independent power producing model to expand the distribution and transmission of of electricity, reallocating responsibility for distribution of water and electricity to regulated regional companies due to the failure of municipalities to collect charges, and connecting municipalities to regional service providers for which uh, who do not have, because they do not have the skill or capacity at the moment. They said that one of the ironies, of course, about BE is that it hurts many of the people it's supposed to be helping, which is namely poor black South Africans. Uh, Chris, I don't know about you, but this feels kind of like a sort of nice bit of confirmation that we are indeed barking up the right tree. So who would have thought when you uh, impose regulations and legislation that favors political connectedness, that it would benefit those with the necessary political connections, it favors corruption, waste, influencing those networks, all that kind of thing, to the ultimate cost of those South Africans who for decades, centuries even, were denied government services, their rights by various governments in various iterations. So why would you think things uh, wouldn't uh, result in yet more negative consequences. Um, At the moment, we look at South Africa um, with 1% growth per year. If we're lucky, unemployment on the expanded definition still above 40%, even though the latest quarterly labor force survey numbers are positive, we can say in in that sort of sense, but not really if we want to make significant progress. Just one thing from the report that I also wanted to highlight is they cite a 2023 paper by the International Monetary Fund in terms of estimating how much preferential procurement raises the cost of goods and services that the government then tries to procure. So they estimate that increases by 20% or 3% of GDP, and they refer to the tenderpreneur economy that has benefited the few at the expense of the many. Um, If we really want to get South Africa onto a better track in the context of the elections, of course, next year, 
these are the kinds of ideas we need to get rid of and implement better ones that open up markets, um, loosen up labor markets, that kind of thing, really introduce competition in state-owned entities, all that kind of thing. Otherwise, we just continued along the path that we've been on. And just last point, state capture um, with um, Judge Zondo again in the news over the past week, state capture and the sort of corruption that the country has seen is a necessary consequence of these ideas of preferential procurement, cater deployment. It's a necessary outflow. So if we don't get, if we don't deal with the causes, um, we're just going to play around with the symptoms in different forms the whole time. That's exactly right. And as you, you know, you mentioned the Zondo Commission report also uh, taking aim at preferential procurement. And I think it's, it's becoming increasingly clear to all honest observers that there really is no way around it. You cannot fix the system as long as we have preferential procurement uh, because it just creates such perverse incentives, so many opportunities for corruption. Um, you know, corruption is ultimately a symptom of bad policies, of bad structure, structures, of a bad political culture, stuff like that. Uh, and, and unless we change the sort of underlying structure of the system, there's, we're never going to get rid of corruption. Um, so uh, this report is very welcomed. Um, and hopefully it will continue to build pressure on any and all governments in the future of South Africa to begin implementing some of these reforms because the country cannot survive with catered appointments and preferential procurement dragging us down. Okay, let us move on to our next topic. And this is an interesting one because of what it says about the sort of politics in the country and, and the direction it's going in. So a video came out in the past couple of days showing Panyaza Lasufi, the Khating Premier, uh, basically at, at an internal ANC meeting of some kind, or, or it might have been with the ANC's alliance partners, Kasatu and SACP, and he was criticizing very aggressively a particular minister, a minister who he did not name, but I think it's pretty obvious who he's referring to here. Um, he was very upset that said minister had not assisted with his Khating Crime Warden's Prevention Scheme uh, this is an initiative that Karting has been running to try and create these sort of localized street wardens to assist in fighting crime. Um, you know, it, I think it follows on efforts from the Western Cape, which has the LEAP program. Uh, so it might be sort of the ANC's version of that. Uh, in this, this rant against this minister, he said, we trained these young people to be police wardens. You as a minister are refusing to recognize them. Your days are numbered. You want to undermine them. We say to this minister, give us the power to have the young people to use guns so they can protect our townships. In the past, uh, and, and you know, he was getting very upset about this, uh, he went on to sort of apologize and he said, no, I didn't mean anything about this to any minister or anything like that. So in public, he's kind of trying to mend fences here. But it very clearly seems like he's taking shots at Minister Peggy Kale, who doesn't want to decentralize uh, power to these crime wardens, doesn't want to equip them with firearms. And, you know, there are arguments for and against that. But, uh, Chris, what do you make of this? It really seems like Panyaza is in a difficult place because he wants to, you know, reduce crime before the next election. Uh, the ANC is not going to do well in karting, and I think he's trying to save his job. Perhaps even more than trying to reduce crime is is building up one's own brand and what and, and you need to do that to own certain issues. And perhaps this is one thing he has identified is, is rampant crime in, in Gauteng. And maybe in his view, the warden's plan is one of the better ways to try and solve that. So it's building up your own power base, your own popularity. As you say, in the context of declining ANC support, likely nationally below 50%. So you sort of shore up your own support 
then whatever might happen in the elections, you have a base from which to play and sort of, I guess you're consolidating some of your own support in, in various ways through your plans and initiatives. I, I, I find it very interesting heading up to the elections because these sorts of comments, even if there's been an apology or a retraction in whatever particular instance, it's still, uh, it ratchets up in small or big ways, tensions between provincial ANC, national ANC, between individuals, between groups within the party. And eventually that kind of thing could, if not arrested properly, um, and if not dealt with properly, manifest negative consequences for the ANC in terms of just basic party machinery, um, running things before the election. And don't take those things for granted. The ANC often does very well in just basic machinery before an election to ensure that um, the votes that they need to get that that turns out um, and that sort of thing could be negatively impacted by these sorts of tensions between national and provincial which will be even more exacerbated between questions as to whether they should work with the EFF or not which is also something that apparently the a and the provincial Gauteng ANC and the national ANC disagrees on. Yes, it's going to be very interesting to see how these tensions develop as things go along. But uh, I think it shows the sort of stresses that the system is going to place on the ANC as it as it loses power, but also the emerging power of provinces, which I think are only going to become more important after 2024. And for our last story today, uh, this is another one of those crime stories that just makes you shake your head. A number of rescue volunteer rescue workers were coming down, I think it was Lions Peak in Cape Town, uh, they uh, had just been doing a sort of operation uh, up on the hill, and they saw a man walking alone up the mountain. Uh, this is quite late uh, in, the, in the afternoon. It was just beginning to get dark. Rescue workers said to this guy, hey, you know, it's dangerous to walk here alone. You really shouldn't do that. You might get robbed. The man thanked them, asked them who they were, then pulled out a gun and proceeded to mug them. Uh, Chris... I don't know if you have anything to add on this one. I guess it's just terribly sad. Um, so sort of a heart's in the right place and people trying to to help. But if you don't take cognizance of what the reality is at the moment, and, and yeah, I'm not to psychologize, but we probably do get desensitized to the violence that is prevalent in South Africa, um, the number of murders. I believe there was a report in the Star out today or yesterday featured by the Institute for Security Studies um, in terms of how much the murder rate has increased over the last year or two, or at least the last five years. Um, but if you don't acknowledge these things and you think, I'm going out with good intentions, but you don't have the right processes in place, the right plans, the right steps, unfortunately, you, your family, your colleague's safety is then at risk. So it, it serves as an unfortunate reminder of the sort of reality in which most South Africans are forced to live nowadays because the police just don't hold up their end of the bargain. Indeed, something certainly uh, that I personally had some recent issues with. Anyway, that is a wrap for today. See you tomorrow.